All right, so it's getting pretty real. It's getting pretty real. What's I'm, getting uh, real? I'm, I'm moving. I'm, I have a new assignment. Yeah. Starting like two weeks. This is your first move, right? This is my first move, my second assignment, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm moving from, I, I'm right now parochial vicar or assistant priest, however you want to say it, for three parishes. I have one pastor. And now I'm going from that setup to having seven parishes oh <laughs> with a team of four priests, one being a full-time um, chaplain. And the goal of this new assignment is to take the seven parishes and make them one parish in two years. And oh so that's gosh. very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Now, no, it's, will there yeah. be multiple sites with those that parish? There better be. I don't know how we can't. Yeah, there's going to be multiple sites. Right. Um, but will some of the churches be permanently closed? Yeah, I don't know how that works, but, but more or less, yes. You know, okay. I'm not sure what we're doing with the properties. I'm not sure, you know, what we're doing mm -hmm. with all the the holy stuff in there that's that's right. left to more organized people than me but anyway right. so i had to do this thing where everyone had to say goodbye to me and so we had this reception and i had to stand and have people come up to me and say nice things about me for like two hours how did that make you and feel terrible why just <laughs> i mean i ugh. it's just like it's a lot <laughs> let's, of let's talk about feelings yeah okay um this is gonna sound how it's gonna sound it was just it's just a lot of compliments to take you know yeah yeah i know what you <laughs> yeah mean. like one or two compliments that's fine but everyone giving you compliments i'm like ah no stop but um it was nice it was important and mm -hmm. uh it actually made me realize that, like hey i actually have done some good work in mm -hmm. two years which you know sometimes you just don't know because you just kind of do your priest thing and you're not a complete screwball i'm not not completely at least so that was at nice. least yes yeah nice. so that's yeah so I am Father Anthony. I am Father Harrison. And you are listening to Clerically Speaking. So how do how are, how are you? I got a question for you still. Um, okay. Yeah. How are how are you handling the idea of moving? I'm not. <laughs> I guess the thing like I'm just totally ignoring it. Like this um, past week was the first time I actually had to deal with it. Like mm -hmm. I'm leaving, and even then I'm still just kind of I'm taking all these thoughts and feelings. I'm going to put them in the box. And just just bury them deep down inside. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's gonna work really well. And then like one day, eventually, I'll just die, and the box will go away. So that's that's, that's how I'm dealing with it right now. Totally how it works. Isn't <laughs> I mean I never moved before, but I assume this is how you deal with transition, right? It'll it'll hit as it gets closer. Mm -hmm. I've moved. Let's see here. Once, twice. This is my parish right now. It's my third parish. It's, and since leaving the seminary yeah so you get you get a bit used to it and stuff but uh yeah and and then there's the adjustment of going to a new place and getting to new, no new people and a new way of doing things and it's it's uh it takes a while to get adjusted to that yeah so i'm just gonna keep ignoring it then is what it sounds like just good. keep ignoring it sounds and it'll eventually hit me and i'll just curl up into a ball and start crying and just yeah deal with it that way okay. sounds good mm -hmm. Ah, huh, fun. Yeah, no, you'll be you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's just it's. I don't think people understand uh, what what moving is like. They uh, it, it you get attached to a place even after a couple of years you get attached, and people you, you get attached to people you get attached to doing ministry you get to be involved with people's lives and then uh, suddenly you're kind of torn away from all that and it's really tough. Yeah. 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 Sad. 
<laughs> I, I, uh, I can hear I can already hear you putting more and more feelings into a box. Exactly. You're just kind of yeah, uh, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's Fine. Making me sorry. sad. Sorry. <laughs> I have all the uh, podcasts to do and I have to keep it together, man. <laughs> so you have you have a bit of a crazy week coming up, don't you? It's kind of nuts right now. I have been um, running around like a bit of a chicken with my head cut off. So I, I'm not the most organized person. Yeah. And I tend to keep things to the last minute. Yeah. Not because I like that or anything. It's just I need the pressure of the moment to actually force me to finish the job. Man, I've been telling myself the same thing for years. Yeah, and you're, you're going to keep on telling yourself that, so don't worry. <laughs> no, I've, I've just resigned myself that. I'm just always exactly. going to procrastinate, so yeah. I'm at peace with that now. Yeah. So I'm, I've, for the, I've got 21 talks in the next one, week and a half to do. 21 talks? 21 talks. In the next week and a half. How many yeah. talks is that like per day? At it's most, like, it'll be three per day. That's, so, too, that's a lot of talking. It is. Thankfully, I like talking, and I like the sound of my own voice, so it That's shouldn't awful. be so bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. So no, I'm, are these are these all different talks? A bit. So I'm doing a retreat for our teachers on Thursday from our school. Mm-hmm. So I got two talks to do for that. Then on Friday, Saturday, and Saturday, I'm doing four talks for our university chaplaincy, mm-hmm. and I'm and so I'm doing a retreat on Mother Teresa, uh, Christ, being Christian in a dark age is my my theme. Ooh, and uh dramatic yeah so i'm taking our catholic atheism thing and i'm taking my mother Teresa stuff and kind of mashing it all together yeah. so doing that and then uh the real honor to i mean that's a real honor to be asked by the university students and then i'm also got the honor of teaching the missionaries of charity next week which is gonna oh, wow. be yeah that's gonna be it uh, when you're asked by the MCs to do a class or a retreat or something like that, it's hard to say no because it's really an honor. They don't, they're not the type to just ask anyone. So I, yeah, I'm kind of excited to do this. So how do you, how do you handle that? Like teaching or <laughs> preaching to people where like literally everyone is probably holier, holier than you, right? Oh yeah. Like in the parish, there's definitely people holier than us, but yeah. in my mind, there's a few that I'm holier than, right? There has yeah. to be. Yeah. But like missionaries of charity, that, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really a humbling experience. And they have such a love and respect for priests. And they treat you so well those days that you're there. Like it's, it's a working holiday in some ways, but it's oh, also wow. going to... Because I'm taking holidays to do this. But um, it's really a time of really refreshment. You get to pray with them. You get to say mass for them every day. Then I'm doing, I'm doing a five-day seminar on the theology of Pope Benedict for them. Oh, yeah. Delightful. So, so yeah, that'll be really awesome, but I'm not done my talks yet, and it's next week, and I'm leaving on Friday for everything, and I'm just kind of freaking out a little bit. Yeah. And yet, last night, I found myself kind of so stressed out about it, I just played NHL 19 for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> because... You, the tradest of video games, apparently. Amen, amen. So... You, you get to the but I know it's going to get done. Part of it, I'm trying to remember, cause as you do more talks, as you get more comfortable with all this mm-hmm. stuff, to remember that I actually know stuff. Oh, yeah, look at that. Which is, like, you, you learn about this as you're doing more talks. Like, you know what? You don't have to write every single word down. 
get your topics together, get some key points together and everything else is going to kind of flow from that. At least that's how I work at least. So, um, so yeah, so it's going to be exciting, but it's just almost every waking moment has been writing talks and it's, it's good. It's good. It's just, I'm a little stressed out right now, but I don't know if I can, if I could do it any other way. Yeah. (laughs) But you make a good point. I've noticed the same thing. Like if you're constantly, if you're always reading something, if you're always praying and just our job as priest, part of it is we're always speaking. It does yeah. make it a little bit easier because you're just always exactly. kind of in that groove. Exactly. You just want to organize it a little bit because there are so many in you. Yeah. You know, want to do a good job. Exactly. So, yeah. and the other thing is too, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to giving teaching. Mm-hmm. And I'm always thinking about other problems I feel I need to address. So when I leave it to the last minute to where I absolutely have to kind of get it down on paper, it forces me to put my perfectionist mind to the side and just say, I guess just got to get it done. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyways, it'll be good. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to being with the sisters. It's been, I taught them three years ago in Cuba and I haven't, I was supposed to teach them last year, but it fell through. So I'm really excited to kind of be with them this year. So I get to teach 19 sisters and these are all sisters in the Western province. And I've worked with most of the sisters of the Western province. So we will be seeing old friends and Many of them I haven't seen since I've been a priest. So, oh wow, that's cool. yeah. So it's going to be really neat to just get a chance to to visit with them and to be with them and uh, to pray with them and to go back. I'm going back to Gallup, New Mexico, which is where I'd spent six months. So going back to a familiar place like that, it'll be really neat. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, I think it's time. I think it's time for everyone's favorite set. Well, okay. So before it's time. You have now heard the bumper we had for the index. Yes. In your opinion, what's your favorite bumper? Is it the index one (laughs) or Mm. Summa Theologica? Because it's very different. The index one, very dramatic. You get a feel for like a scene Mm -hmm. and a scenery. There's a certain emotion to it. But that Summa Theologica has kind of got this earworm quality, this chant quality. Do you have a favorite? I think I like the Summa Tweetologica just because of the silliness of the name and the four-part harmonies going on. Uh, <laughs> I think that all works really well together. So that's probably my favorite. What's your favorite? Uh, I mean, as classic as Summa Tweetologica is, and yeah. we've done it the most times, like a total of like three or four times, there was something about hearing my brother just scream into a microphone as he was recording all that that I just find incredibly hilarious. So, Right. Well, anyway, now it's time for Summa Tweeta Logica. 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 I want yes. to discuss. Uh, yes. So just just a few hours ago, day of recording, I tweeted out that I am occasionally on chess.com. Yeah. I basically played daily chess with two of my friends, and they were taking a long time with their moves because I was crushing them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
I would like to play more chess. So I kind of threw this out there. Well, Jeff the Less, at Jeff the Less, he mm-hmm. says, if I win, you'll discuss one of my tweets on at ClericalPod, right? And even though we're in the middle of the game, unlike these other heathens I'm playing, he opened with his like pawns and knights like a gentleman. It was like a regular chess opening and for just playing like a gentleman instead of all these heathens who are doing all these crazy openings, which I don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you get a shout out. Nice. Also, I know Jeff because his brother is a priest for the Diocese of Dallas and we yeah. are in seminary together. Ah, so there cool. you go. Enjoy that shout out. Nice. Just for you, Jeff, not your brother, Mike. I'm not going to talk about him at all. So let's talk about your favorite city in the United States, Philadelphia, for a second. Let's never do that. I will turn <laughs> off this podcast. What are you even? No, no, no. You, are you going to? Okay, fine. Just go. Go. Uh, yesterday, I made a certain comparison between you and a new mascot. Oh, uh, goodness. <laughs> uh, the person who's been having a lot of fun with the new mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers, whose name is Gritty, and he is the weirdest thing possible, is Steve the Missionary. And we can't really even read the tweet, but I there's a picture that Steve posted today that I just thought was hilarious because he's so in love with this. He's got Gritty in the background looking over his phone, and it says, Gritty reading your tweets over my shoulder. That's and good, yeah. it was really good. And uh, Steve just is, he thinks this is the beautiful thing that will save the world. world. What are you, what's your opinion on Gritty? I try not to think of Philadelphia ever. You just said the so name. So the fact that they have a garbage monster for their you, mascot is not surprising at all to me. But then you look like a garbage mascot. folks i very rarely like ignore a tweet that has me like added on it i completely ignored your post because i was just so irate i just you know i can't i shocked him into silence folks he had nothing to come back at me i really don't i'm just so oh my god the idea of talking about the garbage city of philadelphia i just i'm I'm surprised you can even say its name it's like i thought it'd be like voldemort No, I was spitting off mic. I didn't want to get into it, but that's whenever I say it, I just... Gotcha. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Anyways, I thought Gritty is fun. Gritty's stupid. Stupid. Okay, I'm going to pick another tweet that doesn't make me so angry. Uh, (laughs) Once again, most of these tweets were picked by you because I only find my tweets interesting. Oh, hey, how about this is fun. The most underrated bishop on Twitter by far... Bishop Umbers, uh, he kind of mentioned our, he, he tweeted about our podcast. He yep. says, one, he briefly met Jacques Philippe. He's very French. And, Jacques Philippe. Uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I said again. No, okay. no. Moving on. <laughs> and he and his books are awesome. So what, the bishop agrees with us that the books are awesome. Um, he says the sound quality and voice pitch in the podcast are good. That's and good. he found your table of contents dad joke funny, which at the time I told it went over my head that joke you made last podcast. I totally didn't get it until I re-listened to it. So kudos I don't to you. remember. I don't remember the joke. Uh, I said, "What was the opposite of the index?" And you were like, "Oh, uh, the, the table of contents." <laughs> oh, okay, now I remember. <laughs> I totally forgot about that joke. I was like, "What's he talking about?" Now, now while it was very nice for the good bishop to even mention 
uh, or even interact with our podcast, he didn't say any of our actual content was good. The this voice quality was good, and you made a good dad joke. But who knows what he thinks about the rest of it. Maybe he thought the rest of it was garbage, and in yeah. charity, he just withheld comments. And for that, good bishop, we thank you. We do thank you. We appreciate your your patronage of at least mm-hmm. giving us a shot. Uh, yeah. Our good good friend of the podcast, sometimes president of the fan club, depending on her mood. Yeah. Uh, Tiwa Tolkien. Mm-hmm. This was a great tweet. And, oh, yeah, it actually uh, was. I was like really impressed by it. I'm mm-hmm. raising my kids with both crunchy and creamy peanut butters so when they grow up, they can decide for themselves, which is the truth. <laughs> oh, that was excellent. It's great on so many levels. Right? Yeah. First, so I, wait, I you, yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, I mean, for those who you may have encountered this, well, I'm not mm-hmm. going to baptize my kids because they need to make a choice for themselves when they're older about what the truth is. Why, why is that such a problem? Yeah. What about freedom of religion, Father Anthony? Okay. So here's the thing. You wouldn't say something like, you know what? I don't know what kind of food my kid wants to eat. So mm-hmm. I'm just not going to feed him. I'm just going to grows up, has his own taste. And then we'll give him food. You know what? Maybe he won't like. Maybe he won't like English. So guess what? I'm just not going to teach him any language, and just when mm-hmm. he grows up, he can pick what language he wants to speak. Right? Mm-hmm. There are tons of things that your kid does not get to choose. Yeah. But you give him these things, or him or her these things, or you teach him or her these things because you want to give them a home, yeah. right? And the sad thing with our culture now, and we'll talk about more of this later, like. Kids don't even have like a home to run away from. Like you don't even get a chance to run away from the church, let alone be a part of it. Like you're just mm-hmm. born in this like wasteland of nothing. Yeah. Baptize your kids, give them a faith. Yeah. What happens later happens later. But yeah. like also it, it betrays what we talked about before that we don't actually believe God is the realest thing. Exactly. Like if you're afraid to baptize your kid, you don't actually have the faith. And yet it's funny, too, because it also betrays a sense of meaning that they recognize baptism does something. Mm-hmm. That's why they're not doing it. Right. right. It's a weird it's a weird thing. So, yeah, it's it's also I remember seeing this analogy once of uh, it being kind of like, why would you if, if you if someone was in a burning house, why wouldn't you rescue them from it right away? And it's kind of like baptism, right? When we're not baptized, we're not adopted sons and daughters of God. We aren't mm-hmm. lifted up into relationship in the Trinity. We aren't saved, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need baptism to be saved. So why wouldn't, if you would rescue someone from a burning house, regardless of whatever, why wouldn't you do the same with baptism? If you know it saves, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. But that's absolutely. the thing. I think a lot of people don't think it saves. They just see it as like a nice cultural initiation thing that maybe plants them into a church that they're not even sure they themselves believe in right so it's it's a uh, it's weird it's weird but here's the more important question more important than baptism and eternal salvation more important Crun- than that yeah of course crunchy or creamy crunchy oh w- without hesitation nope nope what creamy <laughs> i'm with caitlin on this one what? caitlin caitlin remember it's now remember this day so boring Caitlin, remember this day when Father Harrison took your side. Ridiculous. But I do wait. I was going to make another point. Oh, so like about the baptism thing. We'll yeah. get back to crunchy and creamy in a second because that is, that is very important. I have, I have thoughts and words about this. But <laughs> like if you look out 
whenever people talk about religion, like everyone loves, loves to say they used to be Catholic. Yeah. Like, have you noticed this? Like people love saying, oh, I used to be Catholic. And then they dump on the church. Right. So like at the very least, at the most pathetic, wouldn't you want to give your kid the chance to be a part of that glorious club of people who used to be Catholic and now can say, oh, I knew everything about the church because I was baptized and I went to Catholic school, school, even though the school was trash and I never learned anything. Now I can speak authoritatively on the church and say it's all dumb. Like, wouldn't yeah. you give your kid at least that? Exactly. Shame on you. Shame on you. So with that, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but do you ever notice how Catholics have this natural ability to just go to confession with you, even though they're not going to confession with you? Oh my goodness, yes. Oh yes, I grew up going to church, but I haven't been to church for years. I got married oh. outside the church. <laughs> I've been promiscuous. I was a drug addict, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're literally confessing to me right now, but you're not in confession. Right. And like, like It's really people, funny. <laughs> people ask, people ask, like, do people come up to you? Do people like yell at you or call you names or use like slurs or whatever no 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 but the people who do come up to me very often are former catholics who want to talk about the church yeah because here, here's the thing i think people have this instinct they know the church is more than just a religion they know it's more than just any other religion they know it's more than just a bunch yeah. of Christians. Like there's yeah. this intuitive grasp. Like that's why people hate the church far more than they hate other denominations or yeah. uh, other religions. Like, yeah. and no one cares if you were a former Buddhist. Like yeah. no one gives, you know, a damn yeah. if you were a former Buddhist or anything like that. Like they yeah. only care like, oh, but were you a former Catholic? That, yeah. that betrays an intuitive knowledge that the church is something more. I'm I'm wondering if this is an experience for people who are like fallen away Christians as well, like our Protestant brothers and sisters. I wonder because it's not an experience we have, so it's not something we're too that's all, that's familiar point, with. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I think part of it's just because at least on that level with like our the Protestants and we we claim that there's something that's true, mm-hmm. and that's binding to who we are as a human being. And so when you move away from that, you're moving away from that. Like you're saying that that that. That's something more, that truth claim of things that says uh, that's a binding thing on life. And when you move away from that, you realize you aren't standing for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Crunch. And cool. uh, crunchy is just a more interesting food. Like, why, like... I, I like crunchy stuff. I just, I, I grew up, part of it is just I grew up with creamy. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't mind crunchy. My teeth are not the strongest because I've eaten way too much candy in my life. Uh, <laughs> The priester baskets we got at Easter did not help me. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I think that's part of it too. It's just I have a hard time eating really crunchy things because it just my teeth have a hard time handling it. So I just prefer creamy. All right, then. Uh, that's good. <laughs> that actually brought us to a deeper conversation than I first expected. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do another one, or are we just any other one that was I nah? S- and now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh yes, yes. quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn oh, oh, it's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the oh, best part. Yes, yes, quite. Yes, quite. I'm excited for this one. Okay, I'm a, my brain. So here we go. Here we go. My brain is not working well today. I don't know. It's just one of those days where... Too much chess. 
it might have been too much chess. Like I was just using my my brain too much to play chess at a mediocre level. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna go for this anyway. It's it's a topic that has been near and dear to my heart even before Twitter. Even before Twitter, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. So we'll see if it makes any sense. Okay. okay. So for people who who follow me on Twitter, I kind of had this big old. Um, uh, I don't know. How would you describe it? Um, like descent into insanity via my mm -hmm. tweets. Would that yeah. be fair? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's your Twitter account, really. More or less. But in a particular way, right. there was a descent right. into insanity. Yeah. Um, as I became the prophet, the herald of the great tradening. The that's tradening. All these things about the tradening. And they it's were... It's even getting memed. It is. It is. Like, it, it was picked up. By other people, just referring to it as a tradening. Um, okay, so what, what was going on? Well, it's really all Alex Trank's fault, I think. Yeah. Father Alex Trank. Um, I don't know where I heard this word, but it popped up somehow. And I was talking with Father Alec about that in, in the kitchen of the rectory. And by the way, the kitchen of the rectory is where Father Alec and I solve all of the world's problems. So that's right. what we're doing. We started joking about and that kind of spawned all these tweets. So, and I was half serious, like I was joking. Yeah. And I, but I was also making a point. I, and I think humor is something that I use to make points as well. Yeah. Um, and what was funny was when I was writing these tweets, like some people were like, yeah, I'm actually really excited for this. Some people were offended. And I think that was all good because, anyway, let's just get into it. Okay. So, we talked, I think we mentioned before this idea of trad. Mm -hmm. which I think is more of an internet word. I don't think people use the word trad so much in real life. Have you encountered that at all? Um, yeah, I've used like, no. I've used it in conversations with people outside of Twitter. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've, I've encountered it. I know our friend Friar Nick has asked about this because he hasn't really. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the Canadian thing, but I've encountered it a bit more up here than maybe you have. I don't know. I, like, I do encounter it in day-to-day -day conversation. Maybe not in my parish particularly, but yeah, yeah. especially in like young adult groups and stuff. Yeah, it is a lot in young adult groups. Or I've heard people yeah. describe themselves as a more traditional Catholic. Yeah. So for those totally out of the loop, when we say trad, we are, you, we're, it's short for the word traditional. Mm -hmm. And the problem with this word is that it's not actually a very helpful descriptor of a Catholic. No, because every Catholic should be traditional. Yes, our faith is like 2,000 years old. Yes. If you are Catholic, you are de facto traditional, right? Yes, exactly. Same thing with the word charismatic. Like, if you are Catholic, you are charismatic. Because you, in particular, if you've received um, confirmation, you've been mm -hmm. given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. That being said, when we say charismatic or we say traditional, it has this kind of colloquial uh, meaning to it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, with, with the, the traditional term, it means different things for different people. So I'm gonna kind of give, offer like three different definitions, but I feel like okay. there's like a spectrum from one all the way to the other. Okay. So Shoot. Um, the first is that traditional means Catholics say probably, they might prefer the Latin mass, mm -hmm. or at very least they're very pro ad orientum, the people and the priests facing the same direction. They're very much pro adding more Latin into the liturgy, whether that mm -hmm. be the, um, older form of the mass or the newer form of the mass um very much into the idea of more chants more smells more bells like the liturgy should look and feel a certain way uh in general these people are striving for orthodoxy i think that's how most of them will put it um they very much believe that the church is the true church and that um 
the church uh, teaches correctly on faith and morals. Okay. So if you heard that and you're like, oh, that basically sounds like what all Catholics should be, you're more or less right. Now, maybe mm -hmm. certain people might disagree on the liturgical side of things, right. but it's it's when you hear that, you're like, oh, that should just be most Catholics, I think. So that's kind yeah. of the most mild form of trad. So a lot of people call themselves trad, even though they just like a more traditional liturgy and want to be Catholic. Okay. Right. Okay. So you're getting more into the middle now. And this is more of like the trads that you will encounter on the internet that we encounter a lot of times mm -hmm. and probably have to mute or block on Twitter. So these are people who most certainly exclusively go to the Latin mass, if it is at all possible. Mm -hmm. And not only preferring that, they often look down on the ordinary form of the mass. Mm -hmm. They will always refer to the ordinary form as the Novus Ordo, which isn't necessarily a bad term, but often is used by them as a derogatory term. Mm -hmm. um, often flirt or outright say that the ordinary form of the mass is either less efficacious or not as powerful in and of itself. Um, using Latin for absolutely everything, the vernacular should be like just totally thrown out. Right. Um, they probably have at the very least serious doubts about Vatican II. Mm -hmm. um, or at least use the Vatican II for, you know, the butt of jokes and that sort of thing. Online personality, when talking about this sort of thing, tend to be very smug. Now, I'll say, like, most of us are kind of smug online, right? We You're never smug. I, I hope, hopefully, people understand I'm usually joking when I'm doing that, right? <laughs> That's my way of dealing with things. Like, but anyway, yes, we're all kind of <laughs> smug online, right? <laughs> Um, but in, there's a particular kind of, uh, and it's not exclusive to them, but this is something right. that I've, I've just, I've noticed. These are my definitions. You can disagree with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and interestingly enough, they see themselves very much so as both victims and heroes. So this right. is something I've encountered. Hmm. You will find an account that they describe themselves as traditional and they will be taking shots left and right at Novus Ordo type stuff. But as mm -hmm. soon as someone takes a shot at them, immediately, why is the church persecuting me? Or, you know, I knelt down in um, the Novus Ordo Mass and the boomers, they gave me dirty looks and immediately, like, flip mm. the switch and become a super victim on this sort of thing. Right. Okay. So this is just something I've noticed, at least in the online crowd, for better or for okay. worse. Okay. okay. Um, there's a tendency to read the church documents like a Protestant reads the Bible. Yeah. So they almost become their own magisterium reading right. the documents. Right. They're the authority on the documents. And they treat Vatican II like Luther would treat the book of James, mm -hmm. right? So it's like there are, yeah, that might be a church document, but it's not as important as these other documents. Like this obscure letter from Pope Leo XIII. Exactly, right? That's <laughs> the one they place that, the most yeah. emphasis on. Yeah. Okay. And there's almost like a, a uh, Donatist spirit in there a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. So the Donatists were um, a heretical sect that thought that if you had betrayed the faith or if you weren't holy enough, you should be cast out from the church. If you weren't holy enough and you were a priest, then the sacraments wouldn't be efficacious. Right. There's almost that kind of spirit in them. Like if you're not this certain type of Catholic, if you're not this certain type of priest, there's this almost kind of doubts right. about you, right? Right. Just that kind of spirit. So that's, 
in the middle-ish of tradism, if you will. Okay. And then the far, far end of that is just straight up sede vaticanism. Like the right. Pope isn't real. I'm part of the. I don't want to get these words wrong. What's the group? SSPX. There we go. SSPX. So like just. Although totally... the SSPX does recognize the Pope. Okay. Do they? I don't yes. know these things. But like, yes. uh, how about like? But yeah, I don't Far mean, I end of this is like yeah. the Pope isn't even real. Yeah. And there hasn't been a Pope since blah blah blah. So that's like yeah, kind yeah. of like super far. And Vatican II is definitely wrong. The Novus Ordo, the ordinary form of the Mass, is absolutely invalid. That's the far mm-hmm. end of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of the spectrum that I see. Okay. Do you think that's fair or not? I think so. I mean, like like you said, it's a spectrum. So like you yeah. would find different things in different places. Um, I think it's a. If you're talking about just trad as a spectrum, I think it's fair. I think if you were to put that on the on a, another spectrum with yeah. other people in the church as well, you will see it very differently in, as well, right? So, um, because I think you would find people in the church who do not kind of fit with all of those, yeah, any absolutely. of those categories, right? So I think there's you want to take that into account, but that's I know that's not what you're trying to address today. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's so my long way of saying that, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. But it's a good point. Like this is for people. This is the spectrum I've noticed for people who identify as trad. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of times online, it sounds like I'm taking shots at trads, and it's because I am. Because. <laughs> but which trads? Um, because I think that they're they're so close to the truth mm-hmm. that. I want to rebuke them so they can get on the right path. And that's what I do okay. through my jokes it, it's <laughs> or through my frustrations. Let's be honest yeah. about this. Sometimes you just yeah. you know, get frustrated online. Yeah. Okay. But this is definitely a m- pretty strong movement in the church, particularly in young people in the church. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. You, you find it over. I was just at a meeting last week and I overheard at lunch um, to, I'd say, middle-aged people talking about sure. how they went to a baptism but it was at a for one of their kids friends and it was uh what was it it was at a latin it was a extraordinary form baptism and they're kind of all shocked by this but they also kind of recognize that young people tend to be wanting more traditional liturgy yeah and this is not just a thing in the catholic church right. this is a thing across religious denominations hmm. that if you're a young person and you're adhering to some kind of faith or religion you are going more to the roots of that religion, right. or at least the history of that religion. You're going to more traditional, um, some might say hardline forms of that religion. That's across yep. the board in the world yep. right now. Yep, yep, totally. And I think there's a reason for that. Um, and it's, it's part of what we've discussed in previous podcasts. So, be, uh, let's see. Okay, let's, let's say this. Something has definitely gone wrong in the church. Yeah. Something has definitely gone wrong. After Vatican II, something went horribly wrong. Okay. Can I say quickly, though? I yeah, think please. the seeds of it started before the council. Uh, I was going to get to that. I was going to okay, get the same sorry. point. Right? Okay. 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 Sorry. <laughs> but it's, good. sorry. it's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And maybe you can flesh this out because it's very true. Okay. So that's why I say it's something after Vatican II. Because if you read the documents of Vatican II, they're not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't say you should have, like, clown masses right. or, 
like crazy folk masses. They don't say you should abandon in church teaching. Now there's a few people might disagree with kind of the more pastoral outlook on um, other Christians and other denominations. There's an optimistic outlook with dialogue in the world. I think you can take issue with some of those things, yeah. but those things are more pastoral than they are dogmatic. And this right. is the thing that shocked me when I read the documents Vatican II in seminary. It just seemed like these aren't that big a deal so much. You know, what's going yeah. on? But after the council, you do have this radical change in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. And not just like the absolute craziest form of all the options that are allowed in the newer liturgy. And the yeah. complete abandonment and 180 of the liturgy of the time. And then, but on top of that, you have people, you know, they stop talking about sin. You've got, and this is a whole different controversy and a whole different um, podcast, which would be fun to do, but um, uh, talking about um, contraception and people rebelling against the church's teaching on contraception in a way that we have not, you know, seen in that same way. You've got all this craziness all at once and it almost shocks the clergy into a kind of silence. Right. And so you don't talk about sin and you don't talk about confession and you don't talk about hell and you make the church, in an attempt to make the church warm and welcoming, you also make it incredibly watered down and right. bland and uninteresting and mm-hmm. just nothing. Like yeah. this is a thing that certainly has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you look at, let's say, hey, let's look at my diocese. We are going from um, what we had, you know, 180 some parishes. We're going down to 60. Like we're cutting our parishes by that much. Mm-hmm. Well, I can give you another example. My parish, yeah. in the even in the 70s and 80s, we would have 200 kids for confirmation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had eight last year. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Just, yeah, yeah. Like something has gone horribly wrong. Like, right. That's not right. And, and yet we say, keep on doing the same thing over and over again, thinking that it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you can say like, were the vocation numbers inflated in like forties and fifties? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, putting that aside, you can't deny something has gone wrong. And whatever we've been doing the last 40, 50 years has not worked. Yeah. Okay. So that's just the facts of things, you know, um, so why is that going on? Well, you, we talked a little bit about why it's going on. So you have a young person born in this generation where the church seems kind of meaningless. And so you're kind of thrown into the world. And the world tells you, you know, find a job, you know, get, into good college, get into a good college, find a job, get married, do all these things, choose whatever life. I mean, you don't have to get married, but mm-hmm. choose your own path to happiness and you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And we try this and nothing makes us happy. Mm-hmm. Having the right amount of money or the, having the right amount of sex or whatever else mm-hmm. it is, none of this has fulfilled us. Mm-hmm. And we see this incredible increase in confusion about the human body, in depression, in anxiety, in confusion about sexuality, in this utter destruction of whatever is left of our culture. And then somehow, for various different reasons, young people have tapped into the tradition of our church. Mm-hmm. They start finding the saints and the writings of the saints. They start learning about how the mass used to be. They might even bump into places where the mass is said how it used to be. 
And all of a sudden, this is a whole entire different world for them. Mm-hmm. This is a faith that actually challenges them or demands something of them. There's, there's an excitement about it. This is something otherworldly. This is something holy. This is something spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they look around like, why didn't anyone tell me this? Because, and this is something that happens a lot in youth groups, um, in young adult groups. Very often, the kids, the younger people, are more religious than their parents. Mm-hmm. So you've got like grandparents who are very religious, and then there's skips a generation, and then maybe the young people find this religion, right? Yeah. And so there's this sense of betrayal, and I think justly so. Like the authorities of the church betrayed them by not giving them their birthright, mm-hmm. by not giving them the faith and all mm-hmm. that it holds. Yeah. And so that creates like an anger and a resentment that is completely and utterly understandable. And so you have this anger and backlash to varying levels against um, Vatican II, against the Novus Ordo, against all this stuff, because it seems like all this was just smashed onto the church. And to be right. perfectly honest, like, in the some ways it was. Of the liturgy, it really was. That's yeah. not how you're supposed to reform liturgy. You it know? needs to be organic. It, right? And it, it's painful mm-hmm. what happens. Okay, so that kind of gives you this, you know, the, the anger you see in a lot of traditional Catholics is totally understandable. Um, and I totally get that. It makes a lot of sense. But this also breeds its own group of problems. Because you feel like the authority of the church has betrayed you, you're not going to trust any authority other than your own. Yeah. So you're going to be the one who reads the documents. You're going to be the one that decides what is right. Mm-hmm. You're going to be one that decides which priest to trust and which one not to. And like I said, this is very complicated because to a certain extent, you, you kind of have to do that. Yeah. You know, how many times have we gotten questions, DMs about priests in confessionals who have said, oh, this isn't a sin, or they yeah. didn't give me a penance, or they use their own freaking words for absolution, or they change this part of the mass. Yeah. And like for yeah. guys like you and I, like we lose our minds over this. Right. Because we yeah. don't get it. There's no reason to do that. Exactly. It's stupid. Stop exactly. doing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like, oh my goodness. I'm sorry to everyone who's listening to this in their car ah! in high volume right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. 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 But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why we make fun of trads or we tell them to calm down. I think guys in our generation, you and I, I think it's fair to say we we are the Pope Benedict generation. Yeah. yeah. Like he's the one who's most formed our thought. Yep. He was the first Pope I knew about or cared about. You know, yep, I, I, kind of, I remember here. vaguely John Paul II, but, mm-hmm. um, but he's the one I read in seminary mm-hmm. and his books and his writings and his things. And what was Benedict doing, at least in regards to the liturgy, but I think this is kind of Marx's pontificate is this slow reform of the reform. Like he saw Mm -hmm. the damage that was done. Let's just take the liturgy in the liturgy. And Mm -hmm. he knew that if he were to like completely and utterly reverse it, that same pain and that same hurt would happen all over again. Yeah. So he definitely falls on the side of, we should be ad orientum, the people and the priest all facing God. He definitely thinks that. But in his liturgy, he's like, all right, for now, for a compromise, mm-hmm. let's at least all face a crucifix. So you yeah. put the altar cross up there. Yeah. And I think that's a good image for what he was doing, slowly moving towards this thing. So would I like to 
reform the reform of the ordinary form. Absolutely. Would I mm -hmm. like to have ad orientum worship and incense and bells and, and, and all the things the church recommends? Like there mm -hmm. is a, a recommendation in the rubrics. People, ah, man, they talk about, yes, there's a lot of options in the rubrics. Yeah. But those options have rules to them. Like this yeah. is preferred. If you can't yeah. do that, you can do this, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think you and I want to do those things. Yep. But we also don't want to hurt people the way the previous generation of priests hurt people. Yeah. I have been talking a whole lot. I hope some of it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> so, okay. I got, so, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this too, but I'm kind of curious. So you're talking about the tradening, mm. the impending tradening. So what does this have to do with all that? Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh boy. Let's just, yeah, I'm just gonna be honest. So what is the Pope's because, job? Because, you know, Father Anthony has not been honest up to this point. No, I've been honest, but we're going to get super <laughs> honest. Okay. Father Harrison, what yeah. would you say the Pope's job is? Uh, his job is to, he is the first among equal of bishops and so mm -hmm. has a duty as, uh, as a center of unity for the episcopacy. Yep. And uh, that center of unity is to confirm the brethren, which means to protect the teachings of the church to promote them and to find ways to help communicate them and to be that, yeah, that center of communion. Yes. So I'm going to simplify what you said. Okay. Hopefully, maybe. The yeah. Pope's job is to bring about unity mm -hmm. and clarity. Mm -hmm. And those things are very there you go. related. Uh, yeah. Good. Right? Yes. Amen. I feel like we have not had a lot of unity and clarity as of late. And that's incredibly okay. frustrating. Okay. okay. You also have... Just with the whole scandal of the church, a huge frustration when you hear bishops say, you know, this whole scandal with the abuse and the cover-ups, yeah, that's important, but you know what else is important? Global warming. You want to pull your freaking hair out because no, it's not. Because souls right. are more important. Like one soul is more important than this entire earth, period. It's more important than the entire universe, one soul. Okay. And think about how much damage has been done to, first of all, the victims, but the entire church because of this. Right. This is the freaking priority. All right? <laughs> so you have that. And He's then you have... out here. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Woo! We're not done yet. And then I look around... This is getting like the flu. And I look around at my parishes. A lot of good people, various levels of faith, but are genuine... I wholeheartedly believe in my conversations with them, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I see all of these poor old people who their kids aren't going to Mass and their hearts are breaking for this because mm -hmm. they don't know how to teach them. They don't know how to bring right. them in. Right. And when they tell me the things they've been doing, they've been going about it all wrong. God bless them, but they're trying. Or I see these you know, older people who they probably walked to Mass every day of their life that they could, you know? Mm -hmm. And they don't even get a funeral mass because their kids don't understand the importance of it. Mm -hmm. They get a blessing service. And it's so sad. What's up? I've never heard of a blessing service. That's a blessing service is like our shorthand, at least in my diocese, for you know, prayers at a funeral home, some a, a funeral service outside of mass. Okay. We call it a blessing service. And they happen all the time. All the time. Like a, so it's like a liturgy of the word? 
It's a liturgy of the word. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And even even lay I people. I just never. Can do I've this. never even heard that. I, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've, I've seen lay people do those things too, but I've just never heard it called a blessing service before. We just call it a blessing service. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not called that in the books or anything, but we just yeah. call it a blessing service. Okay. What else do you call? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So you see all this. The church cannot keep going this way. Mm-hmm. It cannot keep doing what it's doing. You know, and on various levels, what we're doing in CCD cannot keep going what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Even young adult stuff cannot keep going how we're going. Like, right. there's only one way to go. And the only way to go is the tradening, right? Okay. A return back to our roots. And I know there are people who will say, you know, the 1800s are not the church's roots. Yeah, right. I agree. But you know what else isn't the roots? Whatever the hell isn't happening now. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and like, yes, there needs to be a return to the sources. And, and a lot of people are, doing, even the young people, are reading the fathers, mm-hmm. are reading the fathers of the church, yeah. right? None of the fathers of the church or what they do did justify whatever the heck has been going on. Okay. Yeah. So the whole joke of all my tradning treat, uh, tweets, the whole, the whole truth of it is we need to move back toward traditional understanding of the church but can we do this without being complete jerk faces like there's a like there's what do you mean can you explain a bit more what you mean by like the traditional understanding of the church okay because that's a pretty loaded it really is yeah sorry the theologian in means like no, that's good because that's the, that's the problem. We we often talk about these generalities and people assume their own definitions and it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. So how to put this? Um, like getting back to a ah, reforming the reform. Okay. Like so, you're talking about liturgy more. I'm talking about lit, but not just liturgy too. Like, okay. ah, man, I'm talking about everything. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this is this is a good. I guess. Uh, I guess here. Okay. I'll yeah. tell you where I'm coming from with that. Please. Question. Yeah. When help me saying, out. With this. When you're saying we need to get back to traditional understanding of the church, the because I think actually one of the great fruits of the council is Lumen Gentium. Yeah. Right. The document on the church. Mm-hmm. It's a, which is on which is brilliant on so many levels and I and really institutes the episcopacy as an order unto itself. Yeah, and I like that. Right. And I like that that some traditionalists wouldn't think that that's traditional understanding of the church. But so would they, you, but here's the thing, I mean, Dr., I, I am interrupting you, but yeah. would they, like, would people have such issue with the documents if the church in the West didn't become so freaking crazy mm-hmm. after Vatican II? Like, would we care so, so much? Okay, so you bring it to the other point I kind of brought up earlier. Yeah, it was, it wasn't Vatican II that brought this about. Yes. I have seen... Oh, I was going to make that point. Yeah, go, okay. go do it. Okay. I have seen numerous churches built in the 1950s that are ugly, mm-hmm. that are uh, modernist in its architecture, for example. I'm just using architecture as an example here, or liturgical space as an example, that would still have the Latin mass. Mm-hmm. But you look at them, and you're like, this does not look like a church. This looks like a multi-purpose building. And so... This is why I have a hard time just blaming the council. I think Absolutely, it was, yeah. I think there was a movement already afoot, not just in the culture that was already beginning to undermine things. And the council, I would say it's more of a, an unfortunate timing of things that, uh, it, it, so it got hijacked yeah. by the spirit of the age. 
and promote and so people would just we we know this I, we've heard the stories we didn't live through this but we've heard this i mean i'm i'm really grateful i'm a priest when i am right now yeah <laughs> right because uh, i'm hearing the stories i'm just like oh my gosh like that would horrify me i've heard stories of people vacuum cleaning fragments of the blessed sacrament off carpet yeah. in the sanctuary and i've heard horrible stories of abuses that break my heart and people will just claim well it's vatican too it's Vatican II. It's Vatican II. I'm like, well, it's not. First, we all know this is not. But also, it got hijacked because these things, it, it started in the, it's, I mean, theologically, this was going on 50 years earlier than the council mm -hmm. with the modernist movement and stuff like that. Uh, with this idea that God doesn't work in the world, that uh, the scriptures are really just all historically dependent on their age and actually mm -hmm. don't and that there's really no divine truth in there at all it's not possible for god to communicate with them this is all happening way before the council it just the 60s and the 70s just kind of as a cultural movement and moment everything got sucked into that it was the way of thinking of the age and unfortunately the council got sucked into that so yeah. i don't blame i don't blame the council i blame i agree the culture in which the council was coming into, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and and not just that. So, like, the weird thing is, and you bring this up, like, it was almost like after Vatican II, something saw the opportunity to unleash all this stuff. But mm -hmm. the stuff was there for a reason, too. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm in a priest uh, small group, and a lot of the priests in my small group are significantly older than me. And just hearing them talk about, like, the church in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, in America, it was not a healthy place. New, yeah. like they were, you know, we 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 know that mo a lot of the sexual abuse happened in there. But yeah. apart from that, there was terrible abuse of power of pastors over parochial vicars. I don't know if you've heard stories, but like stories of the pastor um, padlocking the refrigerator so that the parochial vicar couldn't get into it. Yeah, like I've heard this from several different priests. You know, yeah. Um, of like terrible abuses of power of a bishop who didn't care at all about you or your person or your priesthood there yeah. was a lot of things that were going wrong incredibly unhealthy in the church yeah i, I just i got a like another uh, stories i've heard is stuff like um you know a bishop not in my diocese i've heard it's another diocese a bishop would call you a week up and say you're moving next week and that's all the notice you got. And you there was no time to say goodbye to your parishioners and stuff like that. And the phone call was literally this. Hello, Father So-and-so. You're going to St. Mary's and wherever. Goodbye. And that was that was it. You had no relationship with your bishop. Mm -hmm. And also, this is the other thing people don't understand. A lot of priests and nuns in that age were pressured into it by their families. Yes. You're, we need one boy to become a priest. And we need one woman to become a sister. Mm -hmm. You're it. You're, and I, you have no idea how often I've heard this from people. And when you're forced into something that you're not too keen on, you're going to be miserable in it. And so, and this was happening in the thirties and forties and fifties. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why that is, I think too, but yeah. I'm not going to get into it, <laughs> but we can go on this for hours. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but there were a lot of, it wasn't. There was a lot of good things in the 30s and 40s and 50s. There was also a lot of bad things. And yeah. this is why and this is why older people have a hard time hearing about the tradening. Yes. Yeah. 
I, I need to speak to that because this is what some people really need to understand. Because if you actually take time to listen to the older parishioners and you hear some of them had great experiences of the church. I just had lunch today with someone. They said, do what? No. Before the council, things are great. I had a great priest. We had a great parish. Things are great. I'm like, that's awesome. And they, so they have, and those people's liturgical sensibilities then are tend to be a bit more traditional because they had a good experience at the church. Yeah. Right. But there are a lot of people who didn't. I know people who were abused by priests. Uh, yeah. I know people who just had a really nasty sister who taught them in school. Again, these are not universal. It's not everywhere, but they happen. And whether we, whether we think it's a mature way of looking or not, our psyche wants to attach this to the whole life of the church. And so if you ever even mention things like even that, even give a hint of tradition to older parishioners, they freak out. Yeah. Not because they hate the church and not even that they hate tradition. They're afraid that we're going to promote a culture that, that brought about that abuse in the first place. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Both the millennial trads Mm-hmm. And the boomer libs are both acting out of this same woundedness. Mm-hmm. Different situations, mm-hmm. but a similar betrayal by members of the church. Yeah. And yeah. this is why so many of our conversations are so fruitless, because we're all working out of a deep place of woundedness. Yeah. And we may say we're not, but we are. Yeah. And that's what's going on. That's why this is so difficult to talk about. Yeah. So... Coming back around to your question, yeah, you know, we have to take a, the liturgy should look like we are worshiping God. Yeah. Because we are incarnate human beings. Signs and symbols are important and mean things. And we need yeah. to acknowledge that. If you change the symbol, you change the meaning of what's going on. Exactly. Okay? So and the words the matter too. And the words matter too. Absolutely. Um, so we need to understand that. We understand yeah. that the church, the, hist- the, the theology and the teaching on faith and morals, that is not something that changes. Right. We, we dive deeper into the understanding of that, yeah. but it's not something that can be thrown away with, the, with whatever times we, we think we're encountering. Right. Our own times, as crazy as they are, are not as important as we like to think they are. Yeah. So a return to the understanding of what the church really is. And we're going to do a whole other podcast on the church because it's something I've been reading about a, a lot lately and I want to talk about. But so like why I, I kept talking about the trading is coming. I don't mean all this other garbage that comes along with it, but this return to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. this return to understanding what the church is, this mm-hmm. return to a liturgy that reflects the reality that is going on. These things are going to happen. Yeah. And we see them. Like, my bishop brought back Ember Days in our diocese. Yeah. He's and telling the Saint us. Mike, didn't he bring the St. Michael's Prayer back, too? I was about to say that, yeah. So yeah. he brought back the St. Michael's Prayer. One of my parishioners asked me, why didn't we pray the St. Michael's Prayer um, last Mass? And I said, because I forgot. It's still like learning mm-hmm. how to do it. I did it today, though. I did it mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and were there a lot of, even if you look at the old rites, were yeah. there a lot, was there a lot of unnecessary repetition in there? I think you can make an argument for that. Yeah. Um, but certain things about it, and even certain things about that repetition, what was the heart of that? What was it trying to say? We need to get back to that. Yeah, yeah. So when I say the great trading is going to happen, it's like the church has to remember who it is and who it belongs to, and that's Jesus yeah. Christ. And that's yeah. not trad at all. 
That's no. freaking Catholic, right? Yeah. So yeah. I wish I could put to death the whole stupid word, trad, because it's a stupid word. It's not helpful. <laughs> it's dumb. I hate it. Tell me how you really feel. It's stupid. <laughs> like, so, yeah, yeah so I, I, I totally agree with this. And it, it, it's hard because I even see like, and when now I'm a, I'm a pastor now too, right? This is stuff mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that's always on my mind. And I, I agree with pretty much everything you've said. And I want to implement that. Yeah. And like, actually, I thought your point about Pope Benedict's more organic approach was really helpful. And, and I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember to do that because I want to just say, do it. We're just doing it this way, whether you like it or not. Because that would be easy. It, it is. And it is easy. But you it's, know what's harder? It's, it's easy to be suffering for soul. It is. I know. That's the thing. That's what I hate about this attitude. Yeah. That like, let's just do it. Like, who cares about anyone else? No, 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 no. If you don't care about anyone else, you're not being a Christian anymore. If you're not willing to suffer through patience, you are becoming not only prideful, but you're taking God's job away from him. Like you're not trusting in God's hand in this. You're just trying to fix it all yourself. I mean, like Pelagian. Yes. I mean, like if there's, if there is something heretical happening in a parish, that's different. That's totally different. But we're talking about things that are important. Yes. And they communicate things. Yes. But, uh, you want to bring, it's easier to bring people with honey than vinegar. Yeah. And the more people you can bring along for the ride, the, the better it is. It's hard because I think we have an insight. And I, I'm hoping, like, I think it's about listening to the older generation, especially like the old, not boomers, but their parents. Yeah. Hearing from them what their strength, what their struggles and hopes are for the church. But, and also help build a trust that they will be willing to listen to us too, to say, well, we know some of the stuff that works because we see it working. Would you like us to show you? And... Sh- it's tough because people trust me people get very attached to the music they like yeah they get very attached to all these things mm-hmm. i don't think it's the ultimate thing because it's not about our tastes in liturgy it's about worshiping jesus christ but that it takes time to educate people in that and it's not going to be overnight and the great reforms of the church happen not with the snap of the fingers but with a slow deliberate prayerfulness small incremental changes good education and it'll bring it about i i i have a lot of thoughts on this stuff so i i i there is a truth that a more uh, a church that gets back to her roots but her roots but sees that these roots include the second vatican council absolutely Otherwise, your ecclesiology is all messed up. Exactly. Like, if, you, if you're not willing to read these things yeah. in a, a hermeneutic of continuity, if you're, if you're going to say that the church radically broke at Vatican II, then you are saying that... Ugh, you're, you're actually saying, saying that Jesus is not who he says he is. Yeah, and that the Holy Spirit isn't what isn't the soul of the church. Exactly. Like, exactly. you are a heretic in then. Like, you and- just are. And I'm not saying like I'm not saying every and I'm not saying every document of the council holds the same authoritativeness for us, right? There are different levels. But Lumen Gentium and Dave Erbum are brilliant, brilliant um, documents that deepen our faith and that help us to really see uh, the beauty of Revelation and what the church is. And Sacrosanctum Concilium, if you actually read it, actually (laughs) you would be 
you would you would start to see the need for a bit of a reform of the reform because you would yeah. see wow what the heck happened because i don't see gregorian chant having pride of place in the parish for example yeah. if you're yeah. if you're in most parishes i should say right because you don't um but that's what or the organ being the principal instrument and so on and so forth. this is all or that latin should still have a place in the liturgy yeah it's all there in sacrosanctum concilium i'm not saying anything crazy yeah. i'm just quoting sacrosanctum concilium and these are beautiful <laughs> documents uh i have i have questions about gaudium at spes so did ratzinger yeah. so did ratzinger right and that's yeah. okay because it was a it was meant to be kind of a letter to the world it wasn't meant to be an act of the council right so that's mm -hmm. okay you can have questions about that i'm not saying you have to take every word as if it's divine revelation but yeah. to see that there is some really beautiful stuff here like i mean i know we'll talk about it but in lumen gentium the last chapter is on mary because it's meant to show that mary is the archetype of the church and isn't that amazing? It's really good. And, uh, it's good. When we it's talk good. about the church, we're going to talk about this. Because yes, I'm reading Ratzinger oh, yeah. on this. Oh, it's so okay. good. It's so good. Yeah, we, we're we'll... getting all tangential. <laughs> and we've already yeah. gone longer than we know. I hope this, it's, I mean, I said, <laughs> I said all things of the Tradning would be explained in this podcast. I don't know if it did or not. But um, we gave yeah. it a shot, didn't we? We gave it a, <laughs> we gave it a shot, yes. It's, it's a topic that I'm sure will be addressed more and more and more and more as we here's, go here's, along. Here's my deepest... I have a request for anybody, okay. at the very least on Twitter, who listens to this. Can we stop calling ourselves trad when we're just trying to be Catholic? Yeah. Because this is causing division. And we need to stop calling people trad in a derogatory way. Yeah. And I need to settle down on my rhetoric as well. <laughs> because I am the worst among sinners when it comes to this. I'll admit it. And I need to yeah. check myself as well. But yeah. like, let's just be Catholic together. And yeah. It's just. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's yep. good enough. All right. Are we ready? Have, are we ready to have Tommy on? Uh, sorry. Well, dude, we went over time today. Oh, we definitely went over time. So sorry, Tommy. Yeah. But before we, before we go, can I make a quick shout out? Uh, of course. I mean, it's okay. Your podcast sorry, as well. I know Tommy's screaming right now. It's like, dude, just chill. Don't worry. Sell down, Tommy. Um. You guys heard Echo a few weeks ago in the podcast because my headphones weren't working properly. And so uh, someone from Twitter, uh, who I'm looking forward to meeting actually a couple weeks in Washington, Jonathan V. Last from the Weekly Standard, uh, gifted me a new pair of status headphones for recording. So thank you so much, JVL, for the great gift to help uh, get on with the podcasting. It's really appreciated. Yeah, that was super cool. All right. I'm... I'm worn out. Where, where, what's you? Okay, I'll just. Finish the podcast. I'll, I will help close me, this. Help me. I will, I will close this out. So <laughs> you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, hopefully all major podcasting. Uh, we're working outlets. on the Spotify, guys. It, it's going to happen soon. Okay. Promise. So we're working on Spotify. Uh, you can email us uh, at or clerically speaking at gmail.com. You can find our podcast on Twitter at clericalpod. You can find me at fr harrison. You can find Father Anthony at Father Sharapa. Please leave reviews on iTunes and Google Play. Let your friends know about the podcast. And God bless you all. Peace.